Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Lead Volunteers Podcast. My name is Josh Denhart. Grateful that you're here. Our goal is very simple, really. It's three things we want to help you. Number one, to get organized. If you can get organized as a ministry leader, you're going to go far. Number two, we want to help you stop the revolving door of volunteers. And number three, of course, is to help prevent ministry burnout. That's our goal. One of the ways that I seek to help you as the ministry leader do that is through the course Lead Volunteers and all of the resources that we have at leadministry.com. So Lead Volunteers is kind of your one-stop shop to help you as the ministry leader become more effective at recruiting, training, and retaining. Well, we have a a special guest today, uh, Johnny Radcliffe. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so grateful that you're here. So we're talking today about something very, very, very important. And it's kind of making it easy to be on your team. Simple hacks to make it simple. Simple hacks to make it simple. So you're making it easy to get on your team. Hello, we want that to happen. You, you don't want it to be like harder to join your team than it is to go through the DMV. Am I right? You want to make it simple? <laughs> Especially now, because as we continue to talk to leaders, we find that though COVID may be subsiding and people may yes. be jumping back in, they're still hesitant to make commitments mm-hmm. and to really say, I'm going to be doing this. So I'm hoping the further we get from that, maybe in the fall and the school year, we'll get back to people starting to dig deeper. But yeah, we got to make it easier than ever at this point, don't I, we? I would agree. I would agree. Well, tell us just a little bit about yourself before we jump into this idea of making it easy to join your team. Absolutely. So I am located in the Philadelphia area. Uh, I've been in student ministry for about 15 years. Yeah. And the role I am in right now is with the National Network of Youth Ministry as the coordinator of resource development. And that is a mouthful to get out there. Sure. Basically... My job is to sharpen the tools and fill the souls of youth leaders so they can stay in the game longer and reach more teens for Jesus. That's yes. Brings me many different hats, many different ways, but it's all for Gen Z. Yeah. And one thing that I have been encouraged as we were talking about what you do is that you kind of help facilitate little pockets of communities all around the country. And so in the Philly area, maybe you have several little youth hubs of youth pastors who are like, hey, Wednesday's at four, baby, this is my jam. Another one is whatever. And so you help facilitate and organize groups around the country. I think that would be a worthy second podcast about why those internal communities are so so critical. Well, Johnny, thanks again for being on with us today. We're talking today about making it easy. So what I want to do is, is uh, on the podcast, three things, since this is kind of an audio format, though for those listeners out there, I do have a YouTube channel that all of these are uploaded as well. I had somebody, Johnny, who uh, is a faithful listener, and then I had, they had asked about an episode and I sent them the YouTube link and she was like, mind blown. I had no idea. So for those of you out there, we do have a YouTube channel that that has like video footage of, of Johnny and I on here. Okay. So for the listeners, however, I think it's really important for us to define, to develop, and then to do it. So those are the three big macro categories that we're talking today. So from a definition standpoint, Johnny, it seems almost like a no brainer, but why do we need to make it easy? You alluded to it earlier, but big, big picture. Why is it important for us to make it easy for volunteers to join the team? 
Yeah, so the biggest reason why is because as professionals, oftentimes we make too many assumptions about the people who are volunteering their yes. hours with us in a week. And uh, so between making assumptions and then also just forgetting how generous these people are to be with us. That's right. Sometimes we, we're so gung-ho with what we're trying to do that we don't slow down and say, hey, how do we help them have balance in their life? How do we make sure we're not using the same 10% of people to do 90% of the work right, and then right. just burn through them? So uh, why make it easy is just so that way there's actually joy in serving the Lord. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> yes. I'm sure you've been there, Josh, where sometimes uh, it stacks up and it's not very joy-filled. Yes, yes. And I think that, you know, if I could, as a ministry leader, dedicate my 40 hours my 50 hours, whatever it might be, to prop up others to have really slow-moving softballs that they could knock it out of the park over and over and over. My 40 to 50 hours a week, the lion's share of that is to help facilitate an easy win and an easy experience for people to have face-to-face -face beautiful community. So making it, listen, if we make it, again, I made a joke about the the the, the department of motor what dmv right like getting your license right. and like being like what is going on you know mm -hmm. people will sit through the dmv because they absolutely need to have a driver's license to function in our society however right. they don't need though it's an important piece to their spiritual life and it's an important piece to link up treasure in heaven and all kinds of things they don't have to volunteer and there comes a breaking point where all of a sudden they're like this isn't worth it. And we don't want to ever have people be in that position. So we got to work hard to make it easy. Well, you've come up with some great things. So we defined it. Why make it easy? However, let's develop this a little. You have three big kind of chunks and I'm going to go through them real quick. Be clear and reasonable. That's the first one. The next one is be concise and frequent in your communication. And the third one is have relational as well as task roles. I'm going to say those again for the listeners out there. It says, be clear and reasonable. I think that's a good one. Number two, be concise and have frequent communication. And number three, relational, but also task roles. So take it away. Help us with this clear and reasonable piece. Yeah. So I have a story. Uh, I was new at a church and sometimes when you're new, you want to hit the ground running. You sure. want to be able to out of the gate, just be like, all right, here's the bar, people. We're going to get it together. And with the best of intentions, I came on a little strong. Okay. And uh, one of the things that I've always been huge on in ministry is something I call quality time. Yes. It's the idea of what's the time you're spending with students outside of organized structure. So whether that's Sunday morning, Wednesday night, all of that. And one of the things I generated to keep us accountable to it is a monthly sheet of how are we doing with this? Sure. Great idea. And there are people who have done it well. But with my people, I was spending so much of my time tracking it down. And as I was starting to get those responses, I could tell that some people were like really bogged down because it was just another thing saying, hey, you're not doing enough in your life. And yeah. letting us down. And the rudest wake up call was one of my best leaders. Yeah. She looks at me and she says, hey, she's like, if I can't sustain this, do you need me to step down? In my oh. head, I'm like, no, please don't step down. You're fantastic. 
And it was just a wake up call of saying like, okay, we need to make this easier and more accessible. Right. Uh, definitely hold a high bar. Sure. But we also have to realize that these are people with crazy jobs, families, all that kind of stuff. So like that, there's like a tightrope that we have to walk. Of Big time. This, this reality that like real ministry takes real time, but also that people need to um, need a little bit of preparation and buy in before they're, you know, fully all the way in and giving you hundreds of hours a week. Right. right. I mean, <laughs> and what's so funny is, is that, you know, Johnny, I was a former high school chemistry teacher who was kind of like your quintessential super volunteer, participated in all mm -hmm. kinds of areas in the church. And, you know, I was that person who was the, like, was putting in 15 to 20 plus hours as a volunteer. Well, that, that, that right there is not only abnormal, that's a fast track to being on staff, which actually ended up taking place. Right. And so I <laughs> don't, do I don't think like in, when I was on staff, I, I, I came to quickly conclude if, if a person is giving an hour and a half to two hours outside of a Sunday or a Wednesday, that's a pretty committed volunteer. Right. For sure. And so, sure. but to have this expectation that this is going to be, you know, the totality of their existence. No, 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 no. That's us in the driver's seat as the bus driver who's on staff. Uh, so you got to make it easy. If you make it complex, people are going to say, hey, definitely not worth it. So when it comes to this idea of clear and reasonable, I, we, we heard kind of how you had kind of a yikes, your whoops moment or your, your wake up mm -hmm. call, which, uh, you know, again, you were well-intentioned. I think a lot of us are, but then there was this wake up call. So how did you, how did you rectify that? So what I had to do is instead of saying to be amongst us, you must attain this level. I had to kind of step back and realize that there are people who will do that and will naturally spend time with students outside of organized structure. And like for them there, I can lean into those to keep doing the work and the others, I kind of had to be patient with the others. That's I had right. to uh, just continue to affirm and just really be grateful for what they are contributing. And, you know, it, it in my mind, it was almost sometimes, sometimes we get these like discipleship mantras in our mind that make us a little like no nonsense, all or nothing to the point where right. there's a, there, there's a little bit of grace missing from it. And yes. I think I had that for a time. So, and I would uh, say that that's the unreasonable piece. And you're saying, let's, right. let's be reasonable with this. Right. Right. Exactly. And so, um, learning to, to individualize uh -huh. my approaches to my leaders was so, so important because for the ones who had much more time and were like, let's do this. I invested in them differently than the ones who say Wednesday night is all I can give you, but I love doing it. See, this is very important. I think that this idea, I mean, know your flock, know your sheep, right? And if one yeah. person, like you go, here's the deal, man. You go to war with the army that you got, not the army that you wished you had. And, <laughs> and this group of people who you have, some of them, okay, by the way, let's, let's take a look at this. I mean, Jesus had differing levels of engagement with his mm -hmm. disciples, even with the 12, not to mention the right. core who were just kind of surrounding him, this kind of group of 150 or whatever. He had the 12, then the three, and then the one. We can do mm -hmm. the same, right? And so, but it comes down to knowing your people. 
not only seeing their abilities, their proclivities, kind of what, you know, that they're willing to put in more. You have to identify that, but you also have to say, hey, I'm going to take what they're bringing right now and I'm going to bring, I'm going to use, I'm going to use that as an offering, but it comes down to knowing your people. Good word. Yeah. And it's through a lot of trial and error and just doing it the wrong way. But uh, I've always wanted to be someone that listens well and, and adapts. So I had, listen, I had the plan. It was going to be revival. It was foolproof and <laughs> yeah. everyone was going to get on board. So sometimes as leaders, we get smacked around a little bit being like, wait, how do you not see this? So oftentimes our human nature is to blame the other person. Ouch. But those are the moments where I have to slow down and say, okay, but what are my blind spots? What am I missing? Because these are the people that God's entrusted me to use and to do this, the work with. Right. So I need to steward that well. So Ephesians, hope I get it right. I think it's 412, where it says to train, this, equip the saints to do the ministry. That's right. It doesn't say Johnny needs to go out and be Superman. It says you need to train people to go do the ministry. That's right. That was a game changing verse for me. And that's actually the, the, I mean, to be honest with you, the lead volunteers, the, the foundational verse is Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, which you just shared. And it. it is to build the body, to do the work of the ministry. Um, but I appreciated what you said, Johnny, just a second ago, you said, number one, you want to be a listener, a really good listener. And, but then a good listener like a next step is for you to be adaptable and actually morph and, and, and adapt and change your future steps based on what you just heard. Because there's a difference between hearing somebody and truly, truly, truly listening and making change. Right. Um, so I appreciate that. And listening to people like that one volunteer plus, you know, a, a, a dozens more where you're taking cues or clues from them to go, well, in this next season, how ought we operate to make sure that this is a doable and reasonable role for them? Big time. Right, exactly. And one of the biggest influences to this, this is actually an Andy Stanley advice, is uh -huh. basically having a job description for every role you have. Completely. That was one way to make it very clear to sit down and say, hey, these are the six things we want. And yes. You got to lead with character. We have a character issue in our leadership in the Christian church today, unfortunately. We do. We do. Uh, a leading with character of maintaining your personal walk with Christ and being an example. Realize that these kids look to you. So whether you're on Facebook spouting off about this political view or or posting pictures from parties or something like that, like sure. just realize that you are an example. So there is... I, I kept it to eight maximum things of saying, let's check these boxes. And at the end I said, this is a year commitment. I agree with that. You, it kind of gives a nice out where it's like, Hey, yes. no harm, no foul. Uh, yes. And maybe towards the end, when you're thinking of quitting, maybe it'll give you the, the strength to just do those two months to feel and, like finish and finish out and finish out. That's right. Like finishing in shame. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we, I call it the, in the lead volunteers thing, we call it the sunset clause. So there's the sun comes up, you get a job description, you know, the expectations at high noon, we may have a you know connection to go, Hey, how is this going? Do I need to modify? Do I need to listen? And then the sun goes down, you're out. You have a free and clear opportunity. You fulfilled your commitment. In addition, Johnny, I, there are times where I'm like, Hey, we as a staff don't think that you're the best fit here. Maybe someplace else. 
we yeah. want an out to be able to maybe replace them. This is good stuff. So yeah. what I want to do right now is is we talked about clear and reasonable. By the way, job descriptions, can't emphasize it enough. Very important, clear, but reasonable. The next one you talked about was concise and frequent communication. Now, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see that I put the word concise in bigger font. Very important. Okay, take it away, Johnny. Oh my word. Like, have you ever been that leader where you send out this long email that gives all of the information and it's inspiring, it's Jonathan <laughs> Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God, and then no one reads it. That's right. You might even do the little thing like, hey, send me a emoji text if you got to this portion of the letter. That's a clue that it's way too long. I basically yes. on the other end of this email and say, would I still be reading by this point? Because if it doesn't fit on one screen, it's over. I'm probably not getting everything. And the we make the assumption that our leaders are going to hang on our every word. It's like, hey, bullet points and bite-sized portions. I'd rather have four touch points of smaller communication material right. than one long exhaustive thing. And I think everyone else is that way. Would I, you I think hundred thousand percent, like literally yeah. Johnny, when I would have staff members that came on or key, key, key volunteers that I was training, I would sit down. One of my absolute training operations would be this, this, the, 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 the deal is called how to write an email that no one will read. Love that. Truly. Oh, I love that so much. And so I so actually, true. it is. And so I had two exact same content, but I simply broke it down in two ways. One, it had cr key critical information that was, was really important, but it was embedded in this monster book long paragraph. No one is reading that. Okay. So clear, but concise. Also, um, okay. Then what I would end up doing, true story. If I wrote an email, I would write it and then I would spend, and I'm not kidding about this, an extra 15 to 20 minutes paring it down. Could I say it in, with, with greater brevity? Um, I would right. do bullet points, but I also taught my people to do inside of that bullet to do underline and bold the key key piece within that bullet so that it's, it, you got to make it scannable, right? Yes. Now, yeah. I, I, go ahead. Yeah, so we're sometimes we try and fight it, but this is something where our overexposure, our screen times, our attention spans are shrinking. Big time. So it's this is one of the things we just got to go with it, and we have to adapt to serve our people the best way possible. Yes. And, um, so that's that's on the concise side of it, where we keep it short and we don't overdo it. Uh, what I've found is there are two types of people in the world. Those who really <laughs> like information need to prepare ahead of time. Yeah. And those who are reactive and think on their feet. That's right. That's me. That's me too. So I've spent so much of my life figuring that other people were that way. Which they are not. Is, which they are yes. not. Brother, exactly. I got to say, I am married to somebody who really likes a lot of of of. Like she wants to know what she's doing. She doesn't want to walk in blind and then kind of have to go on the fly. I'm very confident and comfortable going on the fly. Mm -hmm. But I too have made the assumption that everybody's like me. Our world becomes everybody else's universe. And that's a terrible thing to do. Yeah. And I married someone like that too. That's strange how that works, isn't it? How opposites <laughs> might actually attract. And, yeah. Uh, but I will say, so 
so I realized this probably too late in my ministry, but I did realize and I said, okay, I'm going to communicate. So I'm going to email this. And then my leaders were saying like, hey, is there a better way we can do this? Because I read it on the fly and then it gets buried and I want to give more time to it. And then it gets buried. So I was like, okay, uh, how about this? So I basically hijacked an app called oh, Band. B-A-N-D. Okay. I've heard of this. I've never used it. Band. I was going to say, like, it's not super used. So my thought, basically, it's basically a Facebook group that's not with all the extra noise. Sure. And we're the only ones using it. So as soon as you have a notification, you know, oh, this is youth group related. This is ministry related. So I would put our game plan of the night. I still do this, actually, with my group. I'm a part-time youth leader at our church. And I said, hey, we're getting on the band app. So here's the flow of the night. And with each time portion i have a space that says your mission so if you're reading this you're like i don't have a clue what i'm doing it's hey maintain control keep kids from climbing the walls and help eliminate distractions something like that and Um, and those are all all of those right there those are smart specific measurable actionable or attainable realistic and timely can you help kids from uh you know keeping distractions so it's, it's 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 verb oriented good good job keep going yeah thank you uh so all of those things uh the app was such a huge hack it's one of the things i would highly recommend because again as leaders we make assumptions too often that our people know what we're doing and they don't need more communication but how much honor do we show to them right when we say i'm preparing and i'm looping you into that preparation yes yes so even if you're giving that to like if i'm on your team and i'm just like dude i'll just show up and do my thing it's fine you won't offend that person. No. But for the person who needs preparation, you're really stewarding their wiring really well when you do that. Such a good word. Okay, so what you just said is worthy of repeating. You said the person who's like me, who can fly pretty easy, and I, I can I don't really need a lot of direction. I know what we're kind of what the objectives are, and I can morph and move. I'm not going to be offended by communication. I'm going to be like, dude, sweet. Awesome. Got it. Move on. Yeah. But the other person who really is depending on that as even, and I don't want to be offensive to those people, but maybe even a security blanket, we need to provide that for them. So by you're not going to offend this group and this group really needs it. So go ahead and go for it and provide it. That's good. Exactly. Yep. Now I would say to close off this concise piece, I've said this a couple of times, I'm sure if anybody, you know, like these are those things that people who are with us a lot, they're like, yep, heard you say that. Well, here it comes again. There was a great scientist named Pascal. He was a scientist, a theologian, and a a philosopher. And Pascal in the National Science Archives is a handwritten letter on one page. And at the end of it, it says, P.S. If I had more time, I would have written less. Because that's such a good phrase. I've never heard. Oh, I love that. Because concise communication, you really have to think it through. Listen, another one. Yeah. What was this guy that the the dude um, who like saved Europe? What was his name? The, the dude who in World War Two, what was the, the 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 chancellor at the time of Europe? Who knows? Big guy. Uh, smoked Winston a cigar. Churchill. Winston Churchill. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. So go history. Yes. So Winston Churchill, he was asked. He was asked um, if he could speak to a group of people post the war. And he did a lot of speaking, a lot of itinerant speaking. And and he said, yes, I can. And he goes, they said, when can you, when, you know, how long is your speech going to be? 
And he said, well, if it's in three days, it's going to be two hours. If it's in three weeks, it's going to be one hour. If it is in one, if it is in like six weeks, it's going to be a 20 minute speech. In other words, it takes serious work to, 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 to mean what you say and say what you're going to say concisely. Right? So it takes work. It takes work. And a lot of people like us who are the fly by the seat of the pants, people are kind of like, meh, they'll figure it out. You are on a fast track to number one, making it hard to work with you. And number two, you're going to lose volunteers. Very good. Next one you said was make in order to make it simple, right? We're talking today about how to make it easy for somebody to be on your team. One of the key things you said is have relational as well as task roles. I really do like this. Take it away. Yes. Yeah, so one of the other things we were starting to process is that as we were leading the team, we kind of only had these spots for superstars who knew how to connect with teens, who could lead a small group, who could tolerate the crazy, crazy behavior yeah. of energy. And then we had a couple people who were like, hey, is there anything we can help with? And in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, we're kind of good there, but is there a space that we can develop more in if right. we had the people who say, I don't, I want teens to thrive, but I'm not necessarily the person that's going to be getting their call at 2 a.m. Uh, so that kind of took me on a journey. That's a good thing. We, really, we need two lanes. We need people who are their shepherds that get teens and really are cranked up for them. But we also need people who can show up and fulfill other task roles yes. that may not be as sexy as, you know, the ones out there running around with the teens, but they're so vital yes. and they're just as important in the kingdom of God. Well, you know, Johnny, and, yeah. a, a number of years ago, uh, I had somebody approach me and they said, hey, I get the vision for children's ministry and I, I'm really behind that, but I just really don't like to be around kids. Is there a place for me? Yes. And I said, the That's answer the perfect example. is absolutely perfect yes. Example. Now I was speaking nationally someplace and I brought up that story and I had three ladies in the audience go quick librarian sour face because they were like, you can't not like kids and be in kids ministry. Well, you're missing out. I'm not missing out. I'm very yeah. willing to put in anybody who gets the vision of it but we're gonna have th there's a plurality of gifts and proclivities or you know they're just like dude i can't be around kids well but you sure can participate okay so you got task roles and also relational roles yes exactly and it's one of those things where uh sometimes service is really the avenue to going deep with the church where it's kind of a almost a belong before you believe type thing. And that takes us down a road of conversation like, well, how close does someone have to be with Christ before they can join a team? Can someone join a team when they have a fatal flaw or, you know, that kind of thing. And sure. basically the way that we parsed it out in our ministry was this, if you're going to be in a shepherding role, so that means you're dealing directly with people or handling God's word then yes, your relationship a, with Christ, that, there's, that, a there's, a, there's a standard. Exactly. Uh, if you're going to be here helping make sure that we have security in the space, filling drinks, coffee, that kind of stuff, uh, you are welcome to join the team. And we will always talk about Christ and challenge you to look like Christ. Uh, and 
but it's just it's not as high a standard. Can you stuff envelopes? Can you stuff envelopes and not and not have your theological I's dotted and T's crossed? The answer, I think, is yes. Exactly. So and the way to help people parse out, okay, so what roles is this okay, which one's not? The real question comes down to if they are dealing with people, teaching, shepherding people, theology, yes, that matters. Walk with Christ matters. If they're fulfilling tasks, then they can be in process. And I it's agree. Okay. I, I understand that. And I and I think that as we talked before we clicked record, you know, people who are in process, interestingly enough, Part of their process is participating in the life of the church, being around other believers and being accepted and having them have a sense of this family thing. I mean, you know, they can, that can be a means by which um, they actually not only develop their walk with Christ, but maybe even even take first in initial steps. I think this is really good stuff. So you got relational tasks and you've got task tasks. You've got relational right. roles, you've got task roles, and that makes it easy for people to jump on and participate. Well, here's the thing. If somebody was thinking, okay, I dig this, what he's what he's saying is good, where should they start? Where would be like a first base? Yeah, so I think a big part of it is I would start as far as putting yourself in the shoes of your volunteer team. Absolutely. Uh, Maybe you have a trusted volunteer that you can receive feedback from and it's safe and it might sting, but you know they're in your corner. Yes. So maybe that volunteer can open up these doors of, hey, is expectation, job expectations, is that a weakness? Communication, is that a weakness? Do we have the right roles? If you start breaking down these three areas, yes, uh, maybe some feedback can direct you which one you need to focus on first. I think that's good. So you're saying surround yourself with people who are willing to tell you the truth and not just be a yes person. Exactly. And um, every chance I get, I'm pulling leaders aside and being like, hey, how'd tonight go? Hey, is there anything we could do better? Hey, did you feel prepared for tonight? And so when you create that, that atmosphere of feedback is welcome, then you really get it. Yes, and they, you do. They know you can receive it and it won't ruin their standing with you. Okay, so I would say there's two questions that I asked. Number one, what am I not seeing or what am I missing? I would also frame it sometimes, what structural or relational blind spots do I have? Can you help me? The next so one, the Love next that. one was really important. And I would say, hey, how am I inadvertently driving you crazy? And they would. That's a scary question. Yes. Whoa. But I, I say the word inadvertently because I'm certainly not trying to, but I guarantee that I am driving you crazy. Can you help me with that? And so, and, yeah. and also, people would kind of sit there and their eyes would flash, and I'd say, okay, that's the one that I want. I don't want you to think, hold back. I want the the one that you literally just thought. So this is a face to face thing. I don't want this to be in an email thing because I want that real time. I'm like, that's the one, and they're like. Okay, so well, it's actually this. And I'm like, tell me more. And and so that's <laughs> really questions like this, Josh. No. Yeah, but, but it's it's oh, yes, exactly. They're like, please don't ask me these hard questions. But number one, <laughs> it's it's asking and being vulnerable and listening. But then it's making the adjustments, as you said earlier. Right. Yeah. How frustrating would it be if you get the feedback and no change and no acknowledgement or one of my flaws early on, and probably still is, is receiving it, 
processing it and not reporting back like, hey, I decided against it. Here's and why. here's why. Yes. Or, yeah. hey, you've made me think about this. And here's some I really want to go back and say thank you for doing that. Because, listen, as soon whether we realize it or not, we are this leader person and they're taking a risk to tell us the truth. Right. And yeah. if they tell us the truth, I have often tried to circle back within less than 24 hours and say, hey, I want to let you know that was really, really, really important for me. And I'm so grateful for that because they're in the idea of like, did I say too much? Should exactly. I have even Their said that? running wild. But it is. Like, oh, no. Am I out? Am I out? So. And so then I want to circle back quick. So I think getting that feedback. So in other words, if somebody is asking, well, how do I begin to make this happen? It's get feedback. That's what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. And uh, oftentimes when people point this out, you can see it. You know, there aren't too many things that you say that's completely out of left. Field. <laughs> right. Oftentimes you'll, you'll feel like, OK, I can see that. So uh, but really hone it down to those three areas, because sometimes we ask too broad a question. I agree. And they're like, uh, everything's fine. But if you were to say, what are our weaknesses? Which of these three areas do you think our weaknesses are? role expectation, uh, types of role, or how we communicate. I mean, those three areas, people will probably be able to articulate which one needs the most work and that can steer your direction. Yeah, and so the greater level of specificity that you as a leader ask the question. So you're like, hey, is, is the type of communication that we're having with you too much or too little? Like, get, get down into the weeds. Don't, the, a lot of leaders are like, hey man, is everything good? And everybody's like, yes, everything's good. That's not what we're talking about. Johnny, this has been fun. I think making it easy to be on your team, you've made it easy for people in ministry to think about how to make it easy. So we thank you for that today. Thanks again, man, for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We'd love to have you back. All right, gang, this has been the Lead Volunteers Podcast. Thank you guys so, so, so much for joining us today. Hey, listen make it easy. Go find some here. We're making it easy for you. Go find somebody and ask them, Hey, how are we really, really doing? Hope this has been helpful. We'll catch you guys on the next one.